Good afternoon. Welcome to this afternoon's edition of the Rich Urban Show. I'm your host, Rich Urban, coming to you from Stork Harpers Ferry, West Virginia. We're very happy to have Elliot Simon on today. He's running for House of Delegates in the 67th District, currently occupied by John Doyle. So please introduce yourself. Great. Thank you very much for having me here, Richard. It's a pleasure. Uh, I am indeed running in the 67th against John Doyle. He's been in office for a very, very long time. And I really do think it'd be time for a change. I, I ran against him 10 years ago, unsuccessfully, I might add. And um, I really think that times are a bit different uh, these days. Um, been uh, in my house here for 19 years. Um, and um, I've been involved in the community for quite a bit. I'm retired. I was in the transportation uh, business and uh, I did uh, logistics consulting and IT consulting. And um, now I'm so busy, I don't even know how I ever had time for a job. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> All right, so uh, I um, serve on the executive committee of the local GOP. I'm uh, on the board of governors of the uh, Eastern Panhandle Business Association and I'm the chair of the Jefferson County Emergency Services Agency. So keeps me pretty busy. And um, now um, I've been appointed by the committee to run against John Doyle, and I'm very excited about it. Okay, yeah, I think it's an exciting race too. I've, I've talked to Mr. Doyle. I have some passions. So I met him, you know, to chat over some of those. I'm sure we'll be discussing them. Um, yeah, so what do you think is, you know, the most, important issue facing West Virginia right now. How do, how do you feel about that? Well, it, it's um, kind of multi-pronged because um, I, was, I was very excited about the uh, progress that we've made in terms of uh, getting our economy, which has been a perennial loser, you know, <laughs> for all these years. Um, there was a sea change in, the, uh, in state politics, you know, five or six years ago. Actually, in 2014, there was a changeover in both houses, and uh, there, there was finally an opportunity to actually um, change things and, and to uh, redirect policy and to turn our economy around, and it was successful. And uh, West Virginia started to, um, I mean, it, it was on the rise. It was on, you know, it was on the upswing. And uh, our, our economy actually in 2017, uh, fastest growing economy in the entire country. And uh, now uh, we've been hit with a um, bit of a roadblock with this uh, COVID-19 uh, coronavirus. Is, that, is really yeah. how I refer to it. It's, it's been a problem. So uh, I would like to see how we can get our economy back on track and um, you know continue the progress that uh, we were enjoying un until then. Okay. Well, do you think you know, with the current, say, the mask mandate, the social distancing mandate, you know, like for st stores and, um, in, you know, places of business, has the governor overstepped his bounds? Of course, we had the different decrees like the, or whatever, mandate, stay, stay safer at home. Or do you think he's doing a pretty good job? Well, <clears throat> he's trying to... Um, walk a very fine line, and uh, it's a very difficult thing to do. There's some things he's done right, and there's some things he's done wrong. On a matter of general principle, 
it's never okay and it's never justified and it's never uh the, gov the government just doesn't even have the authority uh to tell a business that they have to be closed um for for a reason you know that uh is is not uh you know not sure i mean this is this is not a wartime situation this is um um you know it, it, it's a pandemic and uh in fact some people are wondering if it actually um fits the definition of a pandemic mm, i totally but, know what you mean i've been writing on that on my blog too i saw on your blog for instance you know you were listing the revised death rates like about zero for under 20 and so on so yeah i i, I know what you're saying yeah so um, one of the things that he uh, has done recently is that his most recent orders, and it's not so recent, it's actually a couple of months ago, um, where he, he said that when social distancing is not feasible, wear a mask. But they also acknowledge, he acknowledged, that that's not enforceable. The problem was picking winners and losers at the beginning as to what's an essential business and what, what is not an essential business. Government should never be doing that. But that said, if you're going to be in a situation where you cannot social distance and you do not trust the environment that you are in, wear the mask. But don't wear it for very long. And when, you, when you leave and you're outdoors, Take the mask off because it's really not that good for you. I mean, it chops all that stuff inside of you, and uh, you know it, it's actually not not good for your immune system. But um, you know, if if uh, a business says that you should wear the mask while you're in their business, uh, do so. But uh, again, when you when you get out, um, you know, I see people jogging and riding bicycles with masks on, and you know that's. Kind of, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, yeah I, so, I agree with you on that. Um, so as a delegate, will you um, rewrite the rules, so to speak? Like right now, correct me if I'm wrong, there isn't any uh, time limit on, on these emergency powers, and they're defined vaguely in the, um, I guess, in the Constitution. Oh, well, I guess that's not the Constitution. The, uh, how do you say code west virginia code yes. would you fix yes. that as a delegate like make a 30-day limit so the legislature will come back and also i have to i'll just add one other thing before i turn it over is that i'm kind of like baffled or not maybe baffled like why hasn't the legislature come back are they afraid to go against mr justice because they're mostly republicans or what's going on <laughs> well it's funny because the when, when he was elected, he was a Democrat. Exactly. <laughs> he's, he's, he's now a Republican. It's, it's an interesting dynamic in and of itself. But um, yeah, the, the legislature is, I think, uh, in, the, in the upcoming session going to address the uh, code that gives the governor the emergency powers. And you're right, it should be for a limited period of time. It should be for, and, and I think you're, you're saying 30 days. I think that that's mm -hmm. probably, good, you know, a good period of time. And then after that, it should be uh, up to legislative review. You know, come in and we'll, we'll do a special session 
And, and I think uh, the legislature is going to look at this, you know, in the upcoming uh, session. So uh, you're right. Okay. So I take, I understand why you're saying that you would be uh, definitely in favor of um, putting in place those kind of, um, that kind of clear uh, law where it says, you know, 30 days and we'll have to uh, review the legislature will have to become the session. Not like now where they have to get, I think it is, what is it, uh, three-fifths of the legislature or something, but automatically they will come back. Would you say that's right? Well, it, it's, you never know what the uh, legislature is going to do or going to get done. And it's also, um, it's subject to, I mean, the governor could veto a bill that the legislature uh, puts through. But from people that I've talked to, uh, the legislature is clearly concerned. I know there, there, there are some that I've spoken to that are concerned and that uh, nobody should have unlimited power. And that's, uh, so that, uh, okay, that's clear. That's um, I saw on your um, blog, the Ghost of Jefferson blog, you were talking about how the Rockwool plant came to be in the sense that about the laws about um, annexation and so on. Um, do you want to kind of say anything about, along those lines or about that issue? Like, you sure. know. In fact, I'm glad you asked because that's the Hegelian dialectic almost at work. So I create a problem, then also then you uh, propose the solution. And that, that's sort of like, you know, uh, wash, you know, rinse, repeat. So that's, I think, some, one of the things that, that's at work here. Um, the general philosophy of uh, uh, government interference in, um, you know, local, um, you know, ordinances, laws, specifically here it was the zoning. And uh, back in 2001, um, SB 202 was proposed by then Senator Herb Snyder, supported by uh, John Unger, who's still in the Senate, um, and also John Doyle, who I'm running against. And uh, what this did was gave uh, municipalities the authority to annex land in, with, to in, inside the boundaries of the, um, actually to expand the boundaries of the municipality. And uh, so it was called uh, annexation without election. And what it allowed was a, what they call the minor boundary adjustment. And so um, the visible um, result of that um, legislation was that Charlestown annexed along 340. They went out for several miles and they uh, grabbed a piece of land that the uh, Sheets and the Aldi now um, are, are on um, the tractor supply store and there's a, also a subdivision there with some townhouses and people started right. getting concerned about the fact that uh, you know that defeated the county zoning and uh, it, the Charlestown zoning took precedence and unbeknownst to anybody else uh, while this was going on Ranson annexed the land that Rockville was on and so uh, that happened in 2004. Okay. So they they proposed to do um, a fix on that. So in 2009, 
they said, okay, no more of these pipe stem annexations. And um, there was legislation passed that created an urban boundary, uh, an urban growth boundary around those pipe stems and gave the municipalities even more power to annex land. And it wasn't a fix. And it wasn't until Senator Rucker introduced uh, legislation in the last session that uh, ended this practice that uh, the problem was solved. Is this partially a tax grab? I mean, why did the cities want more land? Is it so they can get taxes? Or Charlestown has, what, a 1% extra tax on sales and also, I guess, all the property tax? Or what's the motivation behind it, do you think? Well, there's a lot of reasons why any uh, government is going to try and annex land and, and grow bigger. You're growing your town. and. Uh, by growing your town, you're growing the authority of the of the government, yes, and you are increasing your tax base. So there's a lot of reasons for it. And it's an interesting thing is that um, there's, there's been an ongoing battle between the Municipal League and the, um, the County Commission Association across the, the state of West Virginia. And um, so there's sort of like this uh, natural like uh, rivalry between the, the the two you know levels of government because um, I think that uh, people on the left like cities and they like urban settings because generally you'll you'll wind up with city councils and uh, that are more liberal and more left leaning so that's how um, you know that that I think partially motivates these these kinds of bills so. Um, the result is, is that uh, all of a sudden they throw up their hands and they say, well, how can this happen? How can Rockwell come here? Well, it's because of your policies and, and because of your leanings and your biases. And, uh, you know, you, the uh, Municipal League is, is constantly trying to take uh, jurisdiction away from county governments, which, you know, have more rural um, leaning to them and, and, and to give it to the municipality. Okay. All right. All right. Um, on another front, um, one thing that I've been working on, and actually this was an issue I met with Mr. Doyle about, is the issue of either health, it's called either health freedom and or vaccination choice. Like the fact that, as you know, you know, in our state, you basically have a no school, no vaccine, no rather, got that backwards, no vaccine, no school policy and no exemptions, except extremely hard to get medical exemptions. So the question is, would you support allowing um, parents to have religious and conscientious exemptions, to have their own choice about whether their children or in work situations even themselves would get vaccines? You know, it's interesting, uh, Richard. There's, on the left, they, they're always talking about my body, my choice. Well, um, you own your own body, and I believe, yes, there should be exemptions because, and, and especially, look at what's happening now with, with this coronavirus. Um, they're rushing to market a vaccine that is not going to go through the normal testing process. And <laughs> Yeah, the, I could give a story about know, that one, so-called normal, which isn't very normal, but go ahead. Continue. Yeah, no, that's that. That's a big concern to a lot of people. 
And, you know, if you're going to be injecting chemicals into your body, you really need to know that they are going to be safe. And frankly, since 1986, which is when the legislation was signed into law by then Ronald Reagan. Exactly. Um, the uh, pharmaceutical companies aren't subject to the same liability, liability laws that other companies and, and other industries are. And we really do need to look at that as well. Yeah, well, your opponent has stated to me clearly, in case he's not on record elsewhere, that he's not for removing any of these mandates for vaccination. So that's a clear difference between you on that point. Right. Um, I really do think that a person owns their own body. The government does not own your body. And I've also read now that there are studies that show that herd immunity only works when it happens naturally. Like True. look at this, this coronavirus. Um, Sweden has achieved herd immunity against the virus by essentially doing nothing. And, and so I think we really do need to um, kind of look at the way uh, other people and other governments have handled this situation. And, and sometimes the best thing to do is to do nothing. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think, yeah, the whole, the whole thing, uh, that's part of the reason I was asking about like Governor Justice, I mean, the whole thing with the schools and these different red, yellow, and green zones. And literally, if there's like, okay, it's like a, a very few cases, three cases, some random number. I, that might not be the right number, but a very small number. Then, you know, there's a, schools have to clo close or they're going to be on some kind of alert. But I mean, I think it's a totally the wrong approach. Like you said, I mean, it's a virus. It's like the flu. Can you imagine? I mean, it's almost like by this logic, we should shut down everything because there's a bad flu season, which there was two years ago. And it doesn't make any sense. I mean, the, the, where is governor just getting his advice? It's, it's wrong, in my opinion. Well, well ponder this. Um, there are some estimates that there could be tens of millions of people that die if the world goes into a global recession. Right. And if the response to the coronavirus throws the world into a global recession, then millions of people will die so it's, and will starve. Um, and and there's, there's no, and in fact, because of the lockdowns, there's been a spike in suicide rates, drug abuse, domestic violence. Sometimes we need to look at, at um, you know, the fact that sometimes we don't see the unintended consequences of our actions. And um, so sometimes we should try and think things through a little better. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I was thinking about that, like, well, it's not, I mean, I don't think it, it should be a Democrat-Republican issue, but it seems like sometimes Democrats are using it as a weapon and then the Republicans sometimes I don't know. I mean, I've just, like I said, I'm kind of very frustrated about the response in in our state to uh, in general. And um, yeah, yeah. I, well, I'm I'm biased in that regard. So I'm I'm I uh, I really think the I, if I you know it's funny. I'll, I'll confess something here to you, Richard. I, I I was a Democrat for most of my life, 
And it wasn't until about 15 years ago that I realized that that party had left me. And the values that I see coming from um, the left, you know, the defund the police, and, and some of the things that are happening on college campuses, and the violence and the riots, I, I was, I was early and I'm proud of the fact that I was early about leaving the, the, uh, that party. And uh, there's a tremendous walk away movement happening now because people are just uh, frankly fed up. Right. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying on that. Yeah, on a, I guess on an, another issue yet, um, where, do, where do you stand on the issue? Like when does life begin? You know, what would you say? Well, um, I'll come around to the view that life begins at conception. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, my focus in my own, um, personally, you may or may not have noticed, I'm like, um, our nonprofit deals with like teaching youth to say absent for marriage, that kind of thing, been involved with that many years. So an, a kind of a corollary question, and I know it's not the prime, primary role of government to teach sexual health, but I believe in West Virginia and virtually every state, they do teach like so-called HIV AIDS prevention, which inevitably means you do have to talk about sexual health, which inevitably means there's got to be some focus for it. So the short question is, would or do you support like teaching that school-age youth should be absent before marriage? Like that's the preferred standard. Well, Mores uh, in terms of uh, you know how, how we live our life from a from a moral standpoint, really that needs to come from the home. True. Parents parents need to teach their kids, um, you know, the difference between right and wrong. Um, schools really shouldn't be teaching. I mean, if you're going to teach biology, fine. Um, there should be a certain moral component and an ethics component. And of course, in schools, schools for kids, you know, until a, a, a child reaches the age of consent, of course, schools should be um, promoting and, and recommending and teaching abstinence uh, until, uh, the, you know, once, once a child grows up and becomes an adult, then they mm. can make their own decisions. Right. Okay. That's fair enough. Uh, fair enough on that. Um, yeah. What are, what are some other points or are there are some other points of your platform, you know, that we haven't touched on. You'd like to emphasize how you differentiate from uh, Mr. Doyle and why the voters should vote for you. Well, um, Mr. Doyle is, um, he's kind of a maverick even within his own party. Um, John has said on many occasions that he aligns more with the Mountain Party than he does with the Democrat Party, but that's pretty far left. And yet, at a forum uh, that appeared with him, he said that he does not support the Green New Deal, but he supports the Mountain Party, which supports the Green New Deal. So I get really confused sometimes. Then, um, recently, he was the only legislator to vote against um, not taxing uh, Social Security benefits. So it passed 
everybody in both houses voted for this legislation and he didn't. And his response was that he thinks that the state needs the money more than um, somebody on social security. Also with all of the riots going on around the country, um, safety of, of people's safety and, their, uh, and, and uh, the safety of their homes and their property and their kids and, and all of that. Uh, uh, West Virginia, thank goodness, has a, something called the Castle Doctrine. And the Castle Doctrine says that you are within your rights to uh, use whatever force is necessary to defend yourself, your family, and your home. And that passed in 2008 in the legislature. It passed 34 to nothing in the Senate and 97 to one in the House. And of course, John Doyle was the one who voted against it. Wow. And at the time he said, uh, you have a duty to retreat. And he cited British common law, uh, which that's, you know, that's for England. And, and uh, here in the United States, we have different uh, ethos and uh, a different way of looking at things. So those are kind of radical things that I think uh, people don't realize how really, um, I don't know, out there. <laughs> he is <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, it, so uh, I um, I think that really what we need is some common sense here in the in the legislature, and I think I can provide that. I would agree. I do want to ask you one uh, question that's specific here. I live in Shannondale, and one issue has has been there's no um, only one exit in and out. We have like four thousand plus people over here. So, question is, as a delegate, would you support? I guess overall. I'm not sure exactly of all the exact processes, but I know that the state funds roads. Well, would you support funding like for having another exit for Shannondale to the south? I think your point is very well taken. Um, Shannondale, believe it or not, is the largest subdivision in the state of West Virginia. I think there's upwards of 2,000 homes. And to have only one egress in and out is not, um, it's not prudent. <laughs> and so I do think that the state should look at that and, and, and we need to figure out a way to make it, um, you know, options to be able to get in and out because if that one road, if there's a problem with it, then uh, we really do, you know, it, it's, a, it's a safety issue. I agree with you. Okay. Yeah, I'm working with Steve Harris on that and, and other people on that. that oh, good. Uh, issue like yeah and uh that that's a good and like trish trisha jackson too um yeah okay wow well we've very differentiate you know how you're different from uh, mr doyle in the conclusion like anything else you'd like to just let the voters know anything else you'd like to share well um i am really so different from john in that i really do believe that government needs to be um streamline it needs to be efficient and it's not always taxes i mean the, the first time i mean the first time i ever met john was at a town hall it was held at the bird center up in uh up, up on the campus of the uh of shepherd university and he said something he said this is exactly how he said it he said you know you all have been 
so good at um, cutting down on the number of miles that you drive and uh, you know saving gasoline that the revenue to the state of West Virginia has gone down from the gas tax. So as a result, we need to raise the gas tax. And he proposed that the town hall to raise the gas tax a nickel because people have done what the legislation was actually, I mean, the, the original, you know, the taxes, Democrats used that to try to, um, you know, modify behavior in people. And I just, I just, I almost fell out of my chair and it was mm -hmm. an audit style chair. So it was hard to fall out of it. But uh, it, it just, it floored me because uh, that is exactly how government should not operate. One of the constituents who would, as you win and will be in your, <laughs> in your area was telling me just a couple of days ago, he said, hey, my wife just registered her Prius. And I was surprised to find out that it costs $155, plus or minus a dollar two, instead of $53. And basically, my understanding, the employees were saying, yeah, the legislature, I'm not sure if it's the legislature or the bureaucrats decide that, maybe you have some insight. They decided that since Priuses don't use as much gas, we'd have to tack on, you know, triple the registration fee. I didn't know about that. I'm not. I was. I'm not aware of that. I'm gonna yeah, it is. It's like if you have a Prius, I guess a hybrid, you have to pay like 150 some dollar registration instead of 53 dollars. It's exactly the thing you were saying. Right. So well, that's one of the problems with government is that no good deed goes unpunished. Yeah, exactly. So that should, I don't know, that sounds like that should be reversed. Right. Well, basically, um, I mean, I like myself, Marshall Wilson. I'm going to write him in for governor because he's a very constitutional guy and he realizes that power comes from the people, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I really like what he's, what he's saying. But, yeah, it's not like the money belongs to the government and they'll give it back to you or something. No, it's uh, that. That's one of the things that uh, um, people get once they get into government and into the legislature. That it, it is the taxpayers' money, and uh, really, we need to respect that and to uh, try to get the most out of it, and and maybe uh, make sure that, uh, in fact, definitely make sure that um, people get to keep as much money. As, as they possibly can, because uh, government is, in, in the end, is a necessary evil. Okay, so on, on that note, I think we'll, we'll conclude. Thank you for coming on today, I really appreciate that. So I do mm -hmm. urge everyone to get out and vote on November 3rd, or you can vote early, but do, I do recommend voting in person. I am going to vote in person, my wife will. So um, I'm your host, Richard, I'm coming from Historic Harpersbury, West Virginia. Do be blessed and we'll see you next time.